Hello, and welcome to the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. We are Rochelle and Carter. This is a, a weekly podcast of going over spiritual lessons, what we've done in our quiet times, what we've learned maybe with our families or at our church, uh, and we would love for you to be a part of it. Hopeondemand.com is yes. where this is kind of based from. If you're listening to the podcast, clearly you can't see how expressive we are with our hand motions, but Carter, you did jazz hands. I did. You said, hello. And welcome. <laughs> and now, a song. If he had white gloves on, you yeah. could have you could have been silent and mimed it. Yeah, no, I, I, it was I should have done that. You know what I saw the other day? Mm. I saw, and this would have embarrassed me so much, but it was one of those viral videos going around. And uh, I mean, I, I get it. I get it. The guy was in the wrong. But a woman uh, and her husband walk in with their kid to the one of the exhibits at like SeaWorld. Okay. okay. So they're walking in, you know, somebody's videoing this from the crowd. So you see the dolphins or the whales behind them and everybody's kind of getting settled in. They're walking yeah. in and for some reason there's a mime there. Okay. there. This is not a joke. There really is a mime. That was hired by SeaWorld or that he was visiting yeah. SeaWorld? Well, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, what authority did the mime have? So mom has the bag and the baby. Okay. Dad is carrying nothing. That sounds about... And the mime, I've, I've seen so many instances of that. It's very sad. <laughs> takes the bag from the mom and puts it on the dad's shoulders. And yeah. all the crowd goes, yeah. And the mime's bowing and the mom's laughing and the dad is not. He pushed the mime into the pool with Shamu. That's <laughs> what he did. Mime he, this. He felt like doing that. <laughs> and I, you know, you try to learn, but man, sometimes people, I don't, mm, I get that he's a mime. But yeah. sometimes it's like, hey, public embarrassment, at least for somebody like me, public isn't the best way yeah. of me learning my lesson. It's going to make me more angry about said instance. Well, what do you, I mean, let's talk about this for a second, because I do tend to immediately rush to judgment. Maybe that's just most people. Maybe that's why Jesus is like, careful about that. Uh -huh. But I do, I was very blessed in that I have a husband who does go out of his way to make sure I'm not the one who's feeling completely weighed down by stuff. Sure. So yeah. there were definitely days where uh, he was working overnights and it was just me and the kids and I'm carrying the bag with the kids, but, but he's he not there with you. Right. Yeah. So if I was the mime and I saw that situation and I'm, it, this is what comedians are doing. True. They're True. poking fun yes. at life and you take the risk. If you're in one of the first couple of rows there uh -huh. at a comedian, a comics act. Well, they weren't. Well, well, sometimes they call people out in the audience. Yes. But th this is nobody was settled yet. The yeah. show hadn't started okay. and they're just walking in to take their seat. Yeah. Now, granted, you, you still assume that risk if you're going into a, sure. an exhibit like that. But it's like I remember at a gas station once. And here's here's the reason why I wasn't doing it, because uh -huh. uh, now I just pretty much do it out of habit. Uh, and probably because I learned a lesson from this guy. But my wife and I, we weren't married. We weren't engaged. We were dating in her car. Mm -hmm. I didn't pay for her gas and she didn't pay for my gas. Okay. I would I would pay if we went out to eat most of the time and stuff. But like she has her thing and I have my thing. OK, so she was pumping her gas mainly because she was driving and because she was paying for it. Could a young man pu physically pump the gas for her with her car? Well, sure. Absolutely. Sure. I wasn't doing that. OK. And somebody calls you. An out. older gentleman knocks on the door. <laughs> what the heck you doing? What, what you doing? And I, I, I opened the door. What, I mean, I, I thought we had cut somebody off. Uh -huh. I'm like, what is happening? He's like, get out, pump your girl's gas, man. What are you doing? 
And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> sir, that I don't know of. And I I thought about like for a split second, like yeah. <laughs> saying, I don't know how to walk or, or yeah. something like that. And just seeing what oh, he would have done. I don't right? know this girl. I was hitchhiking. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but I mean it was it was funny and when yeah. I when I did it, you know, he was like, there you go. And well, he was, you know, fun about it. But to your point, not everybody knows the whole story. Right, right. But at the same time, if I get defensive, if somebody calls me out on something and I get defensive, that may be my first red flag indicator that the Holy Spirit has already nudged me about something. Okay. So let's say I'm the guy at SeaWorld. Of course, I'm not the guy. But, you know, if I had done something and I got called out, mm-hmm. was I defensive? Am I angry about this because the guy was, you know, being silly? Because I think most people in good-natured fun, especially if they're at a family park, they realize that this kind of comes with the territory. Sure, sure. You know, if they can laugh at themselves, then clearly they they don't feel guilty about something, that there might be something there that Uh has no merit. You've no ground to stand on here, clown. Uh You don't know what's going on. Listen, clown! But I do get very defensive, and I think most of the time God is trying to tell me, Rochelle, that's because... There is something that I have been red flagging you on. And so what oh, you're saying is the next time that we get in a fight. Yes. I should say the words. I think the Holy Spirit's nudging you. Oh, don't do that. Don't play the Holy Spirit <laughs> in other people's lives. That's the thing. The mime was playing the Holy Spirit in this guy's life. Well, maybe. No, the, the <laughs> mime was joking. And I think I think you make a good point. There are times when especially like if my wife calls me out about something and I get defensive about yeah. it. I see your point. But I don't want to be made a spectacle. Oh, I see. And if I don't want, like, I like, I love telling stories, and I love like hopefully lighting up a room and entertaining and all that. And it's on your terms. But if I, I want to be able to choose that. Yeah. I don't want somebody to go in a room full of strangers. Go, hey, tell that story about the thing. And then I go, I don't know if this audience will enjoy that story about the thing. It's a difficult road to toe when you are trying to play an audience like that. So I, my heart goes out to the mime and maybe the guy, maybe the guy, I don't know if she's, it's a hot day. It's SeaWorld. We've all been to that park when it's hot. Right. Yeah, that's true. Carrying the baby, carrying the bag. Well, they interviewed the mime afterwards (laughs) to see what he had to say about it. He, (laughs) he had no words. He had no words to share about the incident. So no comment from the mime. Uh, uh, Should we talk about what's going on in our in our client time? Well, I I had a few words to say about the mime Uh, actually (laughs) is is always a quiet time for him. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That was so silly. Uh, Yes. Go ahead. You you are going through stuff. Going through stuff. (laughs) The book of Judges I started reading this morning. So we just wrapped up Joshua Judges. And boy, is that a book that I would never recommend to like a first time Bible reader. There is there are parts of the Bible. See, we do a Christian radio show and it's, you know, I don't know if we ever say on our show family friendly, but it is. Yeah. But there are parts of the Bible that are not in the sense that we're when we say family friendly in America. Oh, like, yeah, there are parts of the Bible that are complete. And judges may be the most. It just tells you Western culture, though. I mean, have you ever watched one of those like, okay, Braveheart, for instance, Braveheart, William Wallace Mm -hmm. is going to spoiler alert. His life is going to be taken in a public way. Talk about now this would make this should make the dad angry (laughs) because if he was killed publicly, that would be a problem, right? That's understandable. Somebody making fun of you. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I hurt your feelings? I like that you're miming the tears. (laughs) 
No, but so William Wallace is is killed for a cause in his mind because he's taken his prisoner. And people are there to witness this horrific way that, you know, he's yeah. disemboweled, mm-hmm. you know, right. one of the ways that he's tortured. And it's this arena of laughing and jeering. And I mean, in gladiator times, it was very much the same way in the days of the Coliseum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so probably it, it when they read through the book of Judges, it'd be like, OK. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> okay. it, our culture doesn't. Nope. It, we're not right on everything. We just have a standard and that's fine, too. Sure. sure. But, but that's a good point. It may, in, in certain things in the Bible may have not made people blink. Yes. And where we are today, clearly there was a time even in our own history, certainly where things would have been less um, jolting, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah. anyway, I digress. Judges starts out and we kind of it, it recaps a little bit with Joshua and Joshua's the guy who takes over after Moses and now they're in the promised land and it gets divided up between the 12 tribes of Israel which is really amazing because God has a place for all of his kids but then it kind of glosses over the fact that there's all these other people that don't apparently have a place in the promised land anymore and God is going to give this territory to people who have not planted the vineyards. And he's going to give the the land to people who haven't farmed and tilled the soil. You know, how does that seem fair? And so if you read it at verbatim and not take into uh, the possible hyperbole of the storytelling, then it can be very jarring and uh, almost looks like, oh, so God wanted them to commit genocide. Yeah, so it's what it kind of looks like. The, right? This section, probably what you're going through in the next few chapters, I mean, atheists will use mm-hmm. is to say, sure. look what your God approves of. What you have to do is lay it up in, alongside other passages so that you not only have the context, but okay, wait a second. Did it say to destroy all the Canaanites? And yes, it did. And then they went in and they destroyed all the Canaanites. Well, how did they show up over here later? Yeah. Well, it's, somebody asked that question. If they destroyed the Canaanites and and, and specifically mm-hmm. people that test faith will say uh, so women and children. So that's OK. Well, then after it, it says somewhere, and I can't remember if it's judges or if it's where, but the, it says don't intermarry with the Canaanites. Well, yeah, so well, how do they if they had destroyed exactly. women and children? Then well, how you see it's a meta, it's it's a um, hyperbole in some yes, cases. That, that's trying to we have to do that throughout Scripture. Yeah. Because there's a way that we say things even today. Like we were talking about the silly, the silly things that we say um, with our with our children. Like you say night night mm-hmm. with your son, Ezra, who's almost two years old. And if anybody, say, 300 years from now has never heard the term night night. Yeah, exactly. Why are they exactly. putting night and night right next together? What is the significance of that? Well, and that's where we have to so, respect the time. I see this is the a scenario, a scenario that I came up with for making sure that we understand what the author meant at yes. the time. Because if if I tell you today, hey, don't be don't be like a Kanye. You would probably and I think most people would probably assume don't have an ego. Right. Um, and I, I really love Kanye. He says some strange things, but no, I, you know, I, I know where you're going with that. The point. Unfortunately, there's also the vernacular right now, um, especially for my kids ages who are 12 and 15. And I've heard them say this and I keep telling them, please don't, because there are amazing people out there named Karen. Oh, don't be a Karen. That's right. Yes. But I hear that. Oh, she was being a Karen. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. But you see, we have these phrases. Yes, we right? do. And so if in 
a thousand years or two thousand years, and there was no internet. Yes. And all they had to go on was, were records, mm -hmm. and they might remember the story of Kanye interrupting Taylor Swift. Right. So, so people then hearing my quote, "Don't be a Kanye," yes. and or seeing it written down, would say, "See there, we're not supposed to interrupt people." Yes. And it's like, what? A, no, 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 right. no. The nuance is. We use that as maybe a because everybody at the time knew who Kanye was and knew what I was saying about ego. And that's why we can't just read a line and yes. go, well, they mean this because of my culture today. It, they, they weren't in our culture. today. So we move on to the book of Judges and we start seeing that there are opportunities there for what you were talking about intermarriage. Yeah. And that's kind of where we pick up with judges because they haven't been able to clear all of the people out of the land. God has said, I have given you this land. And the, the purpose of them taking away uh, the culture of the times, which I think that might be predominantly what was meant. It's like, mm -hmm. you need to strip this land of its culture. Oh, terrible things going on. Uh, we're talking about ch child sacrifice, yeah. um, sexual immorality, uh, like, bizarre things that you would be like, why do you even have to make that a law? It right. should never have been something a person had thought of in the first place. Right. But okay. Right. And so you read through Leviticus and you start reading some of the things that have been taking, the, you don't do these things. Well, because the culture around them was doing these things and God wanted to separate his chosen people apart from that. But we also see God allowing uh, people in to Hebrew society, into Israel's society well, you see the person uh, of Rahab who mm -hmm. was like, I, here, I want I, I recognize that your God is the true God and I want to be a part of it. And God's door is open. Yeah. So you see a yeah. lot of that. But there, unfortunately, when you read into the book of Judges, there's a lot of people intermarrying and the culture has not been done away with with Id idol worship, with all sorts of nasty stuff that's going on. And it, it really struck me this morning. I was reading. It says that when Joshua's generation, the people who remembered, who saw the amazing things that God had done, miraculous things, the parting of seas, the, the bringing of food when there was famine, the, all of the things that he's done, there was the next generation that came up behind him and they didn't know about that God. Mm. And that struck me. How do they not know? And as a parent today, with a child in middle school and a child in high school, they are surrounded by culture, right? Yeah. yeah. They're not surrounded, per se, by Christian culture when they're apart from me because they're, they're in the world. Jesus said, you're going to be in the world. Don't be of it. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm talking about. They're surrounded by people who talk a different way, act a different way than what Jesus tells us that we should be doing. And so my job is... It, it, very clear in scripture to train them up in the way they should go. And here is the same issue hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years before me. Yeah. It's the same thing. There was a group of kids coming up, being raised up that were not being trained in the way that they should go. And I needed, I took that to heart this morning. I, was like, I need to be more forthright, more forthcoming with my kids about all things. And even if I, not overbearing, because there are definitely diamonds in the midst of coal mines, right? And there's a lot of coal that when you strip it away from the diamond needs to be discarded. Sweetheart, there are things on YouTube that are good. Mm -hmm. 
There are things that you can watch that are funny. Let's keep hold of the diamonds. But then let's just let's talk about coal with God. Say, "Mm, there's some stuff in this video I'm watching here, God, that I don't feel comfortable with. And I don't think you're okay with it, too, because I feel a little bit of that Holy Spirit voice nudging me. That's not for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I was having this conversation with my 12 year old last night and encouraging him in that. It is important that we as parents step up for truth. And uh, so that's where we are. We're in the book of Joshua going into Judges. And it is about to be some judgment that comes along. But we see people um, we see people being brought back into God's circle when they disobey time and time again. And that's just all throughout Scripture. And then they forgot the Lord. And then they remembered the Lord. And then they forgot the Lord. And I, I mean, as a parent, it drives us crazy, doesn't it, when our children, one time they're obeying, and then the next second you turn around and they're disobeying. Yeah. So God completely understands um, because he deals with me every day. Sure. I'm his kid, right? And he deals with me with that. And I, I was, I'm also paralleling my Old Testament reading with what's happening in the New Testament. And you see redemption at work, not only in the Old Testament, where he's still looking out for his kids. When they, oh, and they remember God and then they ask for his forgiveness or he feels sorry for them. It's not even that they remembered. Sometimes he just feels sorry for them and he still loves them, even though they're rebellious, you know, mm-hmm. and he'll take pity on them and have mercy. So there's the story of Zacchaeus that I'm reading in the book of Luke. And you may know the story is this short guy. And we don't have the backstory for Zacchaeus. And people have guessed about it because it is mentioned that he's short. You know, they could have just said, well, there was a big crowd. So Zacchaeus mm-hmm. was one of those guys who couldn't see. He climbed up a tree. It didn't necessarily mean he was short in stature. But no, they specifically addressed that he is a short guy. Yeah. What leads a person down the road where they are chastised by their entire people group? So he's a tax collector. That is his chosen occupation. Mm-hmm. Who would choose to be ridiculed by everybody you know in your society? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Except for that maybe maybe he was the kid who didn't get picked to sit at the cool kids table at lunch because mm. he's short. Or, I, I mean, I don't know. But something led him to that place. And not just not just to to take over a job but to really stick it to him. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he, at least he was. He was stealing. Whatever his motivation was, he he was stealing. He was stealing and he didn't care. Or at least he acted like he didn't care. Or did he? Because he heard about a guy and he wanted to see for himself about this guy. And he climbs this tree in order to see this guy. And he sees Jesus. Uh, if I didn't care, I wouldn't get... I wouldn't care about going to see anybody, let alone climb a tree hmm. to have more people point at him than maybe have done so before. Sure. But he, he maybe it was a place of desperation or just like recognizing what I am doing, no matter what Rome calculates as successful, is not satisfying my heart. Something's wrong. Yeah. And I need yeah. it changed. Right. So whatever your motives may be, if you're curious, then you care. I really think that's true. Mm-hmm. If I'm curious about something, there's something there that's sparking interest, which means I care. I'm not apathetic. 
And so Zacchaeus, whatever his little backstory is, and I don't mean to trivialize it by saying little, but it's a small guy. And Jesus isn't like, hey, you want to come sit at the cool kids table? He's like, no, I want to come sit at your table today. Which that, of course, got everybody all riled up. That guy? Mm-hmm. We hate that guy. They know that guy because yeah. that guy ripped him off the week before. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that um, when the Old Testament addresses in the law, the repayment, when somebody has been cheated or stolen, I, I think it's double. You pay back double. Zacchaeus, after he has a mealtime with Jesus, after he has encountered perfection and grace embodied and knows what it is for God in man's flesh to have mercy on him in that moment says, I'm going to give back quadruple what I stole from people mm-hmm. and sell my belongings and give it to the poor. Everything that had been equated with success for him, or at least up until that point, maybe justified his actions to be tax collector. It was wiped clean. I, I, his story is remarkable. And Jesus looks at him and says, your household, because of what's happening right now, is saved. Yeah. And there's a couple of things there. No matter what's happened in our life, no matter wounds, no matter hurts that have allowed us maybe to become hardened or justified um, taking advantage or justified the sins. I mean, how many times? Well, they did it to me first. Right. Or you don't know what they took from me. You don't know what I endured. All of those things, by the way, I know they matter to God because because he loves us. He doesn't want his kids hurting his other kids. At the same time, when we take when we're hurt and use that in some way to justify either not clinging to God or abusing other people, sure, then that's, that's not okay. And Zacchaeus recognizes his mistakes, and then he says, not only that, I want to make it right. And he does it all within a meal. And Jesus... There's something that happens when we commune with him. It changes us. It changes people. And that's, um, I mean, it's news for us not only back then, it's certainly news for us today. And even if we've said yes to Jesus, it continues to be, have I spent time with him today? Can he redeem my situation and circumstances? He can. Yeah. This is one of those stories I think a lot of the times also gets misused, um, much like the woman who was brought before Jesus and called caught in the act of adultery because people say, well, look at Jesus hung out with sinners. And he 100% did. Yeah. Because he constantly said, I have come as a doctor doesn't go to, you know, a a group of people that are already well. He has come to help those who are sick. But that's the point. Don't miss the fact that he is recognizing that there is a sickness here. He's not sinning with sinners. No. And they are repenting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so after his repentance, salvation enters the conversation and Jesus says your household is saved. Well, I think what's interesting about that part of it is he, cause I, you know, I've talked over and over and over about somebody I know or people I know of a different uh, outlook in life, a different faith, I guess, if you will. And um, action is required in their belief. And I think it's so fascinating that repentance is from the heart, clearly from this story. He didn't have time to literally pay back everybody four times as much before Jesus said, salvation has come to your home. Yeah. He he was changed. Yes. Salvation had come 
And then the actions would just follow because he's follow. a new creation in Christ. Yes. Um, I'm glad that you touched on the revenge aspect in a way of the somebody hurt me, so I'm going to do it to them. Which is in every movie. Ever. Yeah, that's true. And most of the time we're cheering him on. If yes, I'm honest, are. Yes. I want to see that guy get his. Yeah. Because he deserved it. Right. That's so, what we think. I was watching one Halle Berry one from about 10 years ago where she's the 911 operator. Yes, I've seen that. Yeah. I got visibly angry about something that the bad guy said. Oh. And I wanted Halle Berry. Yeah. To get, get that him. guy. And then they did. Honestly, spoiler alert. They did in a way. Uh, and I kind of felt bad about it. <laughs> yeah. The they, way it, it ends, it's very revengeful. And yeah. I'm. And, and, and they really got right. away with it. And they got away with it. It and wasn't right. No. Yeah. Anyway, so I like that you hit on that, that sometimes it can be, I've been so hurt that now I use that. And that is so legit. Yeah. People may have teased him because he was short. But also, it's one thing in our culture I don't think we recognize is a verse like James 1, 14. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He could have just been a greedy person. He could have been. And I and and whatever about him is totally fine. Sure. I just think it's kind of prevalent in this culture in certain churches, certain TV preachers. You're the victim. Mm. You're the victim and God's got a plan for you and people have hurt you and people have or I messed up because I like looking at bad stuff, watching bad stuff, doing bad stuff, treating people like crap like like maybe I'm the problem. Maybe I'm the one that needs to repent. Yeah. And maybe uh, you, you, you know, it's like if you're looking at a crowd of people and you say, this is going to be your breakthrough because your family has given up on you and your friends have given up on you and God has a special plan for you. Or maybe, I mean, in the room that big, potentially depending on the church, you're the person that gave up on your family and you need to go repent. We get uncomfortable and we want to encourage people. Uh-huh. We do want to encourage. And we don't true. necessarily want to confront people. Right. So yeah. you get those three combined. Um, and it can be dangerous. Yeah. But the thing is, Jesus didn't shy away from truth. He mm-hmm. always told it um in a way not to manipulate or to even be vengeful, you know, even though the scripture says vengeance is God's. Yeah, that's true too. Um, but you know, when he was upset with the teachers, he could, he knew people's backstory. Before they spoke a word. Right. He knew Zacchaeus in and out. Yeah. He knew exactly what his motives were and everything. Um, he knew how to grind people's gears, too. But he didn't do it to just tease them. He didn't do it to, yeah, now you got yours. It was always to prove a point. It was always to show truth. If I'm honest, I watch those moments in the m- films that have been portrayed about Jesus when he, he really socks it to the whoever it is that he's talking to. Take that, fair That's thing. right. You yeah. feel stupid now. You know, <laughs> But that's not why Jesus did it. Uh-huh. Jesus was truly angry at sin. Mm-hmm. He was angry at Satan, what had taken over and, and take it and twisted what was true. I mean, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were smart. They were not stupid. They were very knowledgeable when it came to the law. Mm-hmm. But some things had been t- become twisted and they were overlooking what should have been love given in order for some some law to be to be met or something it's like again i we've shared this over and over again it's one of my favorite things that jesus said though that the law was meant to serve us and not the other way around it was it was supposed to be a connector 
to connect us to truth, to help us to know this is what God expects. And ultimately for us to realize I can never keep up with these laws. Mm. I can't do all of this. Yeah. And therefore I need a savior. Therefore I need Jesus. Yeah. And so that, that was the, the connected device, but yeah, I, 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 he was not that person. So whenever we see him get angry or whenever we see him call people out, it's not with the same <laughs> way that I feel when I'm watching a Captain America movie and I want him to go bust Red Skull's chops. Of course. You know, um, it's it's about it's about redeeming the lost to know the truth, to be set free. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I have to when I should want that. And I think all, you know, if we're in Christ, there's the spirit side of us that does want that as well. But that's why I have to watch myself on the flesh side yeah. and know that whether it is I have been messed up because of somebody. I mean, they're legitimately people have problems because people yes. abuse them potentially. Yes. yes. Right. Yes. But then there's also that narrative nowadays where, um, you know, I'm just I'm just a little off track. And it's because of people in my past. And it's no, it's because we all sin. And when we are in Christ, mm -hmm. that's still a side of us that we have to watch out for. We're still not yeah. perfect. We're being perfected and we will be perfect one day. But it's not now. And I have to figure out even every thought in my head. Is that from God or is that from me? And, and that can feel exhausting. And sometimes we may even exhaust ourselves with overthinking and say, Lord, I just got to submit right now my thoughts, mm -hmm. all of them. Sure. Because you know my humanity right now. Sure. And there was this gentleman that Carter and I were blessed to to talk with and really, really profound forgiveness story where his little sister had been, uh, and if there are little ears while you're listening to this podcast, just this is a heavy story, but his sister had been um, violated mm -hmm. and then murdered. And he confronts the murderer who is placed behind bars and apparently his sister was not the only one this happened. He, he was guilty of many wrongdoings mm -hmm. and ultimately forgives this guy. When you think about the wrongs that have com been committed in, in your life to or towards your person or somebody you know and love and this, this one stacked up there high, you know, high on the, the wow chart. Yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. Um, my mother, uh, a child that was taken advantage of by a family member, a trusted family member, mm. over and over again, forgives her molester to his face. Mm. How does one come to those places in, in making these choices? It does start with a choice to, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And it is easier to say than do. And so it is a process, I would imagine, for anybody. I don't think it can be overnight. For some, it is miraculous. I don't know that... I know anybody who has made overnight decisions like that. I don't know personally that I have. Maybe you do. No, uh, no, not not in something like that. We are no. a new creation, but just like a baby takes nine months to become uh, fully capable and able sure. as an infant. Sure. Uh, that's a process of time right there, right? Bacon in an oven. I had to bake some of this forgiveness stuff in a spiritual oven. Yeah. And let it. And let it cook out this this new, maybe it's a weird analogy, but let it transform me because it's not my might, my by my power, but by his spirit. Well, that's where I think you see genuine faith because you, you would have to see the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's a way to say it, to phrase it is, if I don't see the bigger picture, if I think earth is it and yeah. we're all here by chance, 
then what does it matter if right. I forgive somebody or not? But then what, what kind of moral morality code or then what's wrong gauge is how, yeah. how can you call anything wrong? Uh, but if I see the bigger picture, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like, I don't know, maybe you, you, maybe when Apple or Google got started, why are they working in their garage overnight? Or why are they working on this product that nobody can even fathom? Well, they see the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. They see what's coming. Steve Jobs yeah. sees an iPhone coming, you know, and if we get it spiritually, if we see the bigger picture that God is in charge and that, uh, you know, it, it strong, some strong language there, you know, I mean, uh, to I, I'm getting I'm butchering the, the way this is phrased. But uh, for those that don't forgive, I won't forgive, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, words like that, yeah. Um, yeah. where it's like I, it is very important for me. And, and, and because of that, which is actually this is what I'm getting to about pride. Um, but it's it's not just it is, I think, releasing somebody from something that they did and showing them forgiveness. But I think it's it's also how dare I put myself in a place mm -hmm. that deems myself worthy enough to hold a sin over somebody's head mm -hmm. when I have sins over my head and other people have chosen to not do that. Uh, and God has chosen to not do that. Yeah. What makes my sin less on the scale than theirs that it, so I this, so the same place. Exactly. Um, and I love how grace measures sin when it's submitted. It's no more. Yeah. And so could he work that in me? What he does for others? Can he work that in me? Do I believe that he is alive? Yes. Do I believe his spirit is in me? Yes. Mm -hmm. So by his grace, through no effort of my own, except maybe just saying, Lord, your will be done. Yeah. Would you overtake my thoughts? I, I love uh, recently our boss shared that he's been praying a certain psalm and it's such a simple prayer. Um, you know, you've heard maybe break my heart for what breaks yours. His was, Lord, I want, was it detest? Was that the word he repulsed. used? Repulsed. I want to be repulsed by the things that repulse God. Yeah. And I want to hold dear and, and love the things that you hold dear so that we will fall in line with what God's purpose and plan is. And when we make it less about ourselves, which is so hard, it's so hard to do because we, we live in this skin. So it, it, this is yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but every single day dying to self. And that's why it says in scripture, pick, taking up your cross. Yeah. Being crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but he who lives in me. Do I really mean that when I want to get mine? Yeah. Well, I was I was in middle <laughs> school or high school. And I think one thing that I'll be my parents weren't overly protective. Um, you know, different parents have different degrees of things. Uh, certainly there were things that were off limits, but I remember VH1 and MTV, more so VH1 sticks out uh, because it was a lot of the shows of what's cool and what's not. Uh, some of those commentary shows of here's what's going on in pop culture and here's why oh, okay. so-and-so's a loser or the fashion wasn't right or you're not cool if you don't have a Lamborghini or, you know, have a music career. And I, those things to me at the time, I mean, I was, in, again, middle school, high school, it was, it was so innocent because it was just like, well, you know, I mean, there's, there's nothing, uh, there's nothing, uh, vi obviously vile, vulgar, vulgar yeah, okay. with it. Um, but overtly, I, anyway. overtly. <laughs> and that's why it's like, oh yeah, I can like this and, and like Jesus, you know, 
And then the more you live and the more you realize how empty <laughs> that is and yeah. also how much I think that messed me up. Very shallow. Of yeah. of comparison and mm. thinking what people, wondering what people think and sure. how important it is and knowing some of the comments that people say about people's bodies or people's uh, wealth or people's, you know, lack of wealth. And I think that's one thing that I, I would, not that we don't have cable right now, you know, we're doing, you know, the streaming, but those type of things, I think for my son, Ezra, it's like, I, I will probably be a little overprotective there because yeah. I know how that can just seem so innocent and be so hurtful in the long run. It, it can exacerb exacerbate all the things that are already in you. Sure. Especially you, in middle school. You, <laughs> and that's not, it's certainly emphasized through pop culture and TV shows and things like that. But I mean, you look at the story of David, all of his brothers appeared more capable in figure, their stature, were yeah. very tall, good looking, all this stuff. And and yet it was David who was selected to be king. Well, why would that even be mentioned if comparison wasn't a thing? Yeah, that's true. It was. That's true. And Peter, even when Jesus tells him the way that he lets him know on the beach that one morning, a few days after he had resurrected from the dead, he tells him, you're going to be taken somewhere where you don't want to be taken, which means you're going to be martyred for my cause, for my sake. Mm -hmm. And Peter looks at John. What about John? Well, why would that have even been a thing? Uh -huh. You all, notice, though, that Jesus usually took the same three disciples with him. There maybe have been a little bit of a competition. Yeah. Certainly with James and John, we see that they were asking, uh, can we sit right next to you on your right-hand side? In fact, mm -hmm. they got their mom. Their mom was even the one who confronted Jesus. You imagine that? It's the rest of the disciples were like, you got your mom <laughs> to ask? But also, there, I think there was one conversation. It says they were arguing over who would be the greatest or who was the yes. greatest of the of the twelve. So the comparison thing has been around, yeah. right? It's nothing new, and yet, of course, we bling it up nowadays with cribs or whatever it was that you were watching. Cribs was awesome. I it didn't. I, I mean, I'm sure there's a part of it that wasn't, but cribs was just so like, what? You got a PlayStation Two in your kitchen? Why? Like. <laughs> Because I can. Because <laughs> I can. Oh, that's a whole different subject of, of greed, I guess. Um, so, but with kind of pride and comparison, we went over one that was fascinating recently. Um, uh, a, a, in the Old Testament, my Sunday school has been going through like Ezekiel and Daniel. And I was kind of excited about it because, you know, you don't really go through those, especially not Ezekiel, a, a lot no, in, yeah, a, Ezekiel, in a set, no. in a, like a group setting. People who like to talk about end times like to go through Daniel. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And we did. Plus there there's was... this little story about lions. I don't know if you've heard of that one. Tell me more on that. <laughs> um, okay. I think I'll do this now because that reminded me and I don't want to forget. Um, I was telling you that this is just a fun thing. Uh, the uh, Florida is known for infamous news headlines. Okay. Like Florida man. Oh yeah. You know, stole three cars in one night and then went to Arby's. You know, I you know what there's like some so many ran they I think just they, start with Florida man. I think the heat gets to people or something and crazy <laughs> things happen in Florida. Well somebody decided it'd be a, a good idea of instead of saying they went postal, they're just gonna call it Florida man. They they went FLA. That's right. That's right. And so somebody decided uh what if what if or really, it's not if, what if. It, it seems like a, dis a quick description of certain Bible stories, mm -hmm. it, you could start it with Florida Man. Yeah. Like, Florida Man visits uh, zoo. Fortunately, no animal's mouth was able to be opened. You yeah. know? Yeah. Or uh, I think my favorite was, uh, Florida Man seen walking around with slingshot claims to have killed giant. <laughs> <laughs> Florida Man builds ark. Turns out we all died. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, don't know. I don't know how we wrote oh, it. Man. I don't wrote know that who story. wrote that. Who wrote that story? <laughs> oh man, uh, Noah did. <laughs> There's there is a lot of good ones uh, that you can think of potentially, but so we were going over Daniel and uh, pride, and so this is Daniel four. King Nebuchadnezzar is the guy that threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in a fire in yeah. the furnace, and they didn't die, right? He's one and, of those names that you bring up in, like, Bible school and be like, if you can spell his name, I'll give you a sticker. That's good. That, Nebuchadnezzar. Can, well, I'm sure you can. Can you spell it? I'm looking oh, you're going to do I'm looking at it right now. Do you have a sticker? Spell it. I don't have a sticker. Oh, my word. I don't know. Okay. I got a post-it note. N <laughs> Neb E B U C H Nebuchadnezzar. N-E-Z-Z-A-R? So off. Am I so off? You were one letter really? away. N-E-B-U-C-H-A-D. A-D. There's a N-E. chad in there. Okay. Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Ah, yeah. The hanging chad. Here's a, here's half a post-it note. I don't, don't want it. Okay. It's just a reminder of my failure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so he repents and realizes in that moment, God is God, like the God is God and says, we're going to worship that, you know, the God of Israel. Well, time goes on and he has a dream where, uh, it, it was a crazy one and he asked Daniel to interpret it. And Daniel, I think got white as a ghost. You know, he says, Oh, your majesty, I wish this was about your enemies, but here's what the dream means. And I, the dream is, you know, it's very long and it talks about, you know, cutting down trees and different things. He says, your majesty, what the Most High has declared will happen to my Lord, the King. You will be driven from human society and you will live in fields with wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow. You'll be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven yeah. periods of time will pass where you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over kingdoms of the worlds and gives them to anyone he chooses. Yeah. But the stump and the roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means you will receive your kingdom back again. We've learned that heaven rules. King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. Mm-hmm. So this is a warning. Yeah. But it's not it's not immediate. It's kind of I I it, we get the impression at this point it's kind of up to Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. Daniel gives him that advice. Stop sinning. Well, it goes on to say all these things did happen to Nebuchadnezzar, as we know, 12 months later. So time did pass. This didn't happen the next day. This didn't seem to be imminent. This seemed to be, you better get your stuff together. Which, have you ever done that? Your mom and dad tell you to do something, and it's at the forefront of your brain for a long time until it isn't. Yeah. And then it's, and it's, it's this, it's, it's this honestly throwaway comment that gets him in trouble. Uh 12 months later, he was taking a walk. This is Nebuchadnezzar, a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. As he looked out across the city, he said, Look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, Mm. I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. While these words were still in his mouth, (laughs) a voice called down from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer ruler of this kingdom. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow. Mm -hmm. Seven periods of time. You know, it's exactly what Daniel said. And in that same hour, so it didn't seem to be, he seemed to have his wits about him there for a minute, but within the hour, the judgment was fulfilled and he was driven from human society. Yeah. He, he seems was, to have, have lost it. What is it? Uh, a Babylonian werewolf in Babylon. Yeah. Yeah. like an animal. A, like American werewolf in London. Exactly. A Babylonian werewolf in Babylon. So 
obviously time passes. He, he now is writing this. Uh, he, he eventually comes back. I, Nebuchadnezzar looked up my sanity returned. So he did go insane. I praised and worshiped the most high. And I, I loved the way that our Sunday school teacher shared this. He started with this last verse. Like he said, good morning. We're going to go over this. Turn to Daniel four. Let me share this verse first. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven. All his acts are just and true, and he is able to humble the proud. Mm -hmm. That sounds very nice, mm -hmm. but let's lead what got him to say that. <laughs> yeah. Let's read what led him to those words. Mm -hmm. And obviously, we, well, we just went over that. Sure. And it was such a good moment of any of us at any moment can go, because he talked about warnings, and he said, we can also learn from warnings of other people. I mean, this is a warning to us too. We don't have a kingdom. There's not necessarily the same things that would happen, but a, a, a person of wisdom would see this and go, Lord, your acts are true and just, and you are able to humble the proud. Mm -hmm. And anything that I look at on my own property or in my career, I should not sit here and go, look at what all I've created. Mm -hmm. Look at what I've done are some pretty scary words. And our Sunday school teacher said, I, I don't know if I'll ever forget this. He said, I think the scariest words that I could hear, a lot of people say, you know, uh, I know you not, you know, mm -hmm. or I spit mm -hmm. you out of my mouth, or I think the scariest words that I could hear from God, knowing that I am a believer in Jesus and I'm saved, but for God to say to me, you know, you used to be a humble man. You used to be. And he, he was in tears when he said that. Yeah. And what a come back to Jesus moment yeah. Yeah. when any of us hear this and go, I, I need that reminder daily. Mm -hmm. I need that reminder all the time for me to go, God, you did this in my life and not me. Starting to see when my my kids are hitting the adolescent stage, actually not starting. One of them is twelve, about to be thirteen years mm -hmm. old. So the other one, he's he's been there for a minute. He's in high school, but uh, I see him try, and I think you, in our own strength, we are going to fail. Yeah, we're gonna fail, and. That's what we were talking about earlier when it came to abiding by all the laws, which we have counted as 613 laws in, in for the Old Testament law. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> Keeping track of those. Nebuchadnezzar is confronted with one. Yeah. And to stay humble and recognize that he is not God. And he did it for a year. And he did it for Potentially. Potentially. And in his own strength. Yes, and then you have that one lapse in judgment, or my 12-year-old may experience that one lapse, and he's no longer like a little child where there's, there's an innocence, a purity about him, and that he is now starting to recognize the world around him. Mm -hmm. It is starting to infiltrate not only um, his thoughts, uh, but I mean... No, no, I should, I say that the other way around. He is now in the culture, right? And it's starting to infiltrate his thoughts because he's getting older. He's starting to understand what these things mean. And that's, that's what happens to you when you grow, right? Yeah. 
and your innocence goes away, but that doesn't mean that you cannot remain pure before God. How do you do that? Not in your own strength. Mm -hmm. And it's not until Nebuchadnezzar has a come to Jesus meeting and there is redemption that takes place and he's able to say these words. It's not, it, but for the grace of God, there go all of us, right? Yeah. And so you can have, you can have the best of intentions, but it, it's a daily reminder. It's a daily seeking of God. It's, it's what Jesus modeled for us. It is something that if the son of man, which is referenced later in the book of Daniel, and that's, that's the phrase that Jesus liked to say about himself. Mm -hmm. He recognizes him as the son of man, this principal figure, which is essentially God in the book of Daniel. If he had to do it, how much more do I have to do it? Mm. And and so I love the story of Nebuchadnezzar because I think he was a, a good guy that got raised in a culture that yeah, was not. I could see that. A monotheistic culture. It mm -hmm. was multiple gods and it included probably him looking at himself as God. And so maybe you can even relate to that. Maybe you weren't raised in a Christian home and you're still figuring things out and you've got good intentions, but it is a daily seeking of God. And, and that may sound like so much, oh gosh, well then I need to be doing this and I need to be doing that. If I'm going to see God every day, God's like, I just want a relationship with you. Yeah. What does that look like with the people that you love most in your life? Mm -hmm. And maybe, maybe you can improve on it, but you know what I mean? It's, I don't have to make a giant effort to connect with my children every day. Sure. I love my kids. I want to connect with our with my kids. Yeah. He wants to connect with you. Yeah. And and like breathing out and breathing in, a prayer can be for you today. Connection with God today. Yeah. And for me. Well, thank you. Thank you for your time. This is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. You're you're welcome back next week. If you want to, you know, you honestly the only I think the only way this can work is podcasts. You're welcome back last week. And the week before, and the week before, if you want to catch and up. And the year before. And the year before. There you go. There you go. <laughs>